Welcome to the first episode of the Student Services Podcast. Join me, Natalia, as I speak to Richard about his role at the college and more. Hi, Natalia. I'm good, thank you. Thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. I just wanted to ask, first of all, what do you do at the college? Yeah, so my job is... um, a student counsellor so I'm a student counsellor for the student wellbeing service. Perfect and how long have you been doing that role? Um, so I joined the college about three summers ago and this is the first mm-hmm. time I've worked in education so it's just about exactly three and a half years since I started at City. Wow so are you one of the longest uh, counsellors? Yeah so um, my colleague Heather started about a week before me Um, so we are quite close and uh, we got a chance to work together from the beginning. She's on mat leave just now so I'm missing her Um, but yes uh, we were the first um, counselling team at the college um, before Mm -hmm. us before us we had one person working on their own and since then we've had a team so it's been a really good time to be involved uh, with the service. That's great that it grew from one person into a team. Yeah, much needed, as everybody told us when we arrived in the roles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how did you get started within the role? Mm. Well, um, I was counselling before that in the NHS. I was mm-hmm. counselling NHS staff um, for um, NHS Greater Glasgow, so quite local to the college. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, before that, I was doing workplace counselling and I qualified as a counsellor. Um, 12 years ago now um, and when I when we arrived at the college because we were a new team we had quite a lot of development work to do so we had to really think about how to make the service work as well as we could for students you know think, thinking about confidentiality mm-hmm. thinking about accessibility in particular um, and so we really just kind of built everything from the ground up and then uh, recently we've had a couple of um, the team have left and we've got two new members arriving one is on board already and one arriving next week which is really exciting and it's kind of great to see how the work that we've done and put in place is kind of supporting them and arriving into the role you know sort of three three or so years after Heather and I started together. You can really see the difference can you? Yeah yeah and hopefully that you know the students and the the other staff um, you know notice the difference as well that there's a kind of um, really good support service there that people can can make use of and get what they need from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what made you want to move to the educational sector? Well, I've always enjoyed working with um, children and young people. Um, and prior to becoming a counsellor, I did quite a few jobs which was focused, which were focused on that. So I used to work for an anti-bullying service where we trained adults who worked with children and young people to address bullying more effectively. Um, and I also used to work in anti, as an anti-sectarianism campaigner and I did a lot of education work in schools and uh, colleges and with youth groups. But when I became a counsellor, um, I initially worked with adults for, for quite a while just because I didn't have so much choice about what I did. Um, mm-hmm. But it was always in my mind to get back to working specifically with young people. And I really enjoy working with students at the college because they're such a diverse group. Um, you know, some of them are from the Glasgow area and some of them are from much further afield in other countries and cultures as well. And they're yeah, also... and it's not just working with adults, is it? No, exactly. Um, and they're also at a crucial point in their lives where, um, you know, they're in education, 
they're doing something that they're um, at college that they're passionate about, but also they're facing a lot of challenges, you know, with growing up, um, relationships, um, you know, trying to uh, become more independent in their lives. Um, and of course, with things like COVID over the past couple of years that have made made that kind of stuff even harder. Yeah. How do you navigate that? Because that's a lot of responsibility to have. Yeah. Um, well, I think obviously as a counsellor, you, you do a lot of training and a lot of the training is focused on, you know, how to manage, um, you know, conversations that are that can be upsetting, um, how to support people effectively in those situations, um, you know, and I think also over the past couple of years, um, you know, I've gained a lot of experience because COVID has yeah. COVID has kind of, you know, forced us to make a lot of changes to how we operate to 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 make the service work under those conditions. So, um, a couple of years ago, we were ninety nine percent face to face. Um, we would occasionally get someone who requested remote counselling, um, and since COVID happened, that's all changed, uh, and and it's changed for counsellors everywhere. So. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're probably about 50-50. We probably get about half the students want face-to-face counselling, which we offer at the college, and the other half want either Zoom or telephone sessions. So we've had to adapt, and sometimes, you know, working in, in remotely it presents different challenges. Um, and at the same time, it also improves the accessibility of the service and maybe um, becomes accessible for students who might not have used it otherwise. So there's been some pluses from that as well. Yeah, I was going to say COVID probably changed the service greatly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's changed everything. Um, I think that it's also kind of just shifted the landscape so that people are are more open to considering other ways of accessing the service as well. So, for example, someone who maybe lives quite far outside Glasgow and is not currently coming into college for their course on campus, um, it's a huge benefit to them to be able to access counselling remotely without maybe having to travel like one or two hours each way, uh, you know, to attend a room. But being able to do it on Zoom means that you can still see it, see that person, they can see you, you can get that visual sense of each other, you can read facial expressions and, you know, things like that as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's been difficult and obviously for some students, the conditions that we've been living in the past couple of years have been really, really challenging for them. Uh, so it's been really important for us to make the service work as well as possible because people have, you know, students and, and have needed our support more than ever. Yeah. Have you found that um, there's a lot more people reaching out now? Yeah. So, well, basically, when we started about three years ago, there was about 250 referrals to the service um, over over an academic year. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the last couple of years, there's been more than 500. Um, So it's been a really big increase in demand, which is really encouraging. Um, and that's also allowed us to secure funding to um, grow the team, you know, so um, come, uh, I would say, March, by the time we've finished our recruitment, we're going to have, um, we're going to have five people in post in total in, in the in the wellbeing team. Um, and we're also recruiting a mental health mentors team mm-hmm. to work alongside us. Um, and I think, you know, those things, have, that kind of increase has been needed for some time, but it's been really good to be here while it's taking place and play a part in helping things to grow. Yeah, I wanted to ask how has the job changed over time, obviously, besides COVID, but it sounds like there's a lot of progress being made. 
Yeah, I mean, the main changes have been, you know, working from home, which is a challenge because, you know, I'm quite a sociable person. Mm -hmm. I like to be around colleagues, so um, it can feel quite isolating working from home. Um, kind of learning to work um, on Zoom and also more commonly over the telephone. I had quite a lot of telephone counselling experience before I came here, but I hadn't really used it for a couple of years. Um, and um, there are different considerations you have to make about about working in that way. Like, for example, you have to be careful not to make assumptions, you know, mm -hmm. um, because you don't get the, the visual communication, which is a big part of how people connect. Um, and you also have to be a bit more careful about managing risk and sometimes a bit more explicit about what you're saying and sometimes a bit more work a bit harder to understand the student as well. Yeah, you really have to be more intuitive, don't you? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, and just not take anything for granted. Just make sure mm -hmm. that you check things out because there's a lot of things that just get presented to you when you see someone visually that you don't have to work for. Um, and I think it's a little bit um, harder work sometimes um, asks a wee bit more of you and the client when you're working remotely. So that's been really interesting. And also staying connected with colleagues, which I think is a challenge everybody's had. Yeah. Uh, staying connected with colleagues while we're you know not together in the same space um you know that's been really quite difficult at times and felt a bit clunky and a bit unnatural because instead of just being connected because you're around each other and you're meeting each other day to day um you're actually having to um consciously make space and time for that um you know and that's been really important um and also just you know the changes in the team having to sort of deal with goodbyes and hellos do you know so uh, I know, it's a lot to people, Yeah, people leaving and people coming in. Um, so, yeah, but it's been it's been really exciting and really interesting. And, you know, it's asked a lot of us, but I'm quite pleased, I think, with how we've responded and how the students feel about the service. Can I ask you more about the mental health mentors that are coming on? How their role differentiate um, compared to yours? Yeah, well, I think for some time, you know, we've recognised that, you know, counselling has kind of been it as far as mental health goes at the college. And counselling is not necessarily for everyone. And it is a particular type of support um, that will, will be really helpful for lots of people. But um, students need to have more choice. Um, so what we recognise is that for some students who are coming for counselling and, and, and some who are not, and particularly those who are not, um, you know, other types of support are important. So over the past year, for example, we have introduced group support, um, which has been really great to offer as something different. And that might be alongside counselling or it might be instead of. Um, we've offered that particularly with coping with college stress, but also anxiety, because anxiety is the, the number one issue that students come to the service with, the number one concern. Um, so yeah, the mental health mentor team are basically going to offer different forms of support for students, you know, um, where they can be, you know, counselling is very structured. It's like, you know, one session a week for a specific amount of time working on you know goals that the student has brought um whereas mental health mentoring um you know they, they'll be involved in other ways and maybe helping students connect to other forms of support perhaps in the nhs or through voluntary services that might also be beneficial to them and also giving them a kind of confidential point of contact on the days that they're not coming to a counselling session, do you know, mm -hmm. um, which can hopefully add to the sort of security that students feel um, having that option of people that they can go to um, if they're not coming for counselling. They've got other choices there to access support. And if they are coming to counselling, they've got um, relationships there that can support them in different ways, Natalia. 
And how and when would they be accessed? Would it be similar to how counselling is accessed through my city? Um, I don't know that yet. Um, okay. And, and it's, it's going to be, you know, they are going to work alongside us, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's not under the counselling team. So I'm not exactly sure what the plan is for them yet, but I know that um, they've been recruiting and they're expecting that team to start to arrive over the coming weeks and months. So quite excited to see what the plan is and obviously really looking forward to, um, working out how we can connect with them and, and you know sort of complement each other's work as well as possible but yeah I'd imagine they'll have some kind of system where they are readily contactable um, at any given time by students. It'll be great that students will have that extra support as well in a different avenue I think. Absolutely yeah and that's the thing you know I, I, I once read that, that counselling is like a little screw rolling around in the bottom of a person's toolkit um, and I think that's quite a good way to think about it. You know that people do need different types of support. And even when someone does well in counselling, it's not it's not just the counselling that's making that happen. It's, it's decisions and actions that they're making themselves. Um, mm -hmm. It's other people around them, other relationships that they have in their life and, and sometimes other forms of support as well. When people come for, for the, to the counselling service, they initially come for an assessment where we get an understanding of what's going on for them and look at what the best available form of support is. And, and in most cases, we are offering them counselling, but we're also offering them something else you know so that might be a signpost to a different type of support outside the college it may be some encouragement to an information to help them access support through their GP or within the NHS you know so normally it's a combination of things that, that help people recover and heal from what they're dealing with um, and it's going to be great to have more of that available internally. And do you have a specific approach to your counselling? Um, I'm not sure if any counsellor has a specific approach because, you know, obviously, and particularly in a service like this, we have to, um, you know, adapt to mm -hmm. each client's needs. And every client is different. You know, even clients who say they've got anxiety, that all presents in a different way mm -hmm. and often has different things behind it. But my background is um, integrated, which basically means I'm person-centred, um, but also um, I do a little bit of CBT. Um, and I've also done um, a recent qualification and specifically working with children and young people, which has been really good. Um, and I've also done some psychodrama, which is mm -hmm. a really interesting way of kind of using drama techniques and wow. uh, therapy. Um, so I guess I can draw on different things at different times. I think what makes counsellors different um, from, you know, other staff at the college is that we're very kind of um, person-centered in our approach. And sometimes that can be difficult for other staff to understand, you know, um, for example, that, um, you know, if a member of staff is worried about a student, they might contact us for information. And we have to be really clear that, you know, they're welcome to ask the student themselves, but we would never do that because the student has to be able to come to us and potentially talk about things that they don't want anyone else to know. Mm -hmm. um, and the service just wouldn't, wouldn't work. Also things like, for example, um, a student might decide to withdraw from college and while that might not be um, a good outcome from an academic point of view, and it's not an outcome we would necessarily encourage, but we're not here to, person-centred means we're not here to decide what's best for the client, we're here to support them to find uh, what's best for them. Um, yeah not and, judge or anything like that exactly non-judgmental and that could be anything you know so that could be an outcome that perhaps someone else doesn't like or it doesn't meet their agenda mm -hmm. but for us it's all about what that person's needs are and exploring them and bringing them to the surface and hopefully supporting them to to make them more important in their life because often that's what happens is that when people get unwell 
from a mental health point of view is because their own well-being, their own needs are not being met well enough and not being prioritised well enough and other things in life are kind of clouding that and, and uh, suffocating that. Yeah, and sometimes you need to be selfish and it may not benefit other people. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I think we're kind of taught, aren't we, that, that there's something wrong about, you know, putting yourself first. <laughs> but actually, that's how a lot of people's well-being ends up in a bad place, do you know, mm-hmm. because the, the one relationship that you spend every second of your life with is the relationship you have with yourself. Exactly. Yeah, so it feeds into absolutely everything. And often what happens when people come to counselling is that they might not realise it at first, but they, they have been putting too many other things and, and sometimes other people people's needs before their own um, and then they start to suffer you know so it's a very common human predicament that I'm sure we can we can all relate to. I think that's really great for students to hear and have that reassurance when they come to the service and not to worry about anything outside of that as well of academics or performance or anything like that. Well that's it I mean we kind of what we try and create a space where people can you know not not like put things away but but come in and sort of let go a little bit of the the pressures that they're carrying and explore those pressures rather than feel that they they can need to continue to carry them for the next hour you know because that can have a really powerful um effect on you know people's perception of things and how they feel about things um and it's amazing how many people come into the counseling room and the first thing they do is they sort of go you know you can always you can see and feel you know the pressures that they're under and and there's a place where they they no longer have to carry them in quite the same way and and over time obviously that that can be really beneficial for them is there anything um that you wish students knew because that's a great thing about the service but Mm. is there anything you wish they knew about your role in particular I think the most important thing that we want students to know is that we're confidential. Um, you know, it's quite common for staff across the college, like advisors and lecturers and guidance tutors, to share information with each other. Um, but we're ex- we're an exception to that. Um, you know, we're here for for people's well-being, and we mm-hmm. never we never do that unless there's a concern about a serious risk of harm. So it's important that people know that because that often offers them something different from the type of relationships or support that they might be able to access elsewhere where often so often students are you know they don't talk to people in their life because they're worried about upsetting them or burdening them um, and they don't want to do that so they, they need to know that that's not going to happen to us and that we're a safe and comfortable space that they can bring whatever to um, so I think that's really important I think the other thing is that you don't have to understand what what it is that's troubling you and it's very common that you know people don't have that and sometimes they go oh well I won't I, I won't come to counselling because I just don't know what I would talk about. Well, that's the whole point of it, is that we can help you explore that. Yeah, you don't always do need together. a diagnosis or anything No, like no, that. and we don't give diagnosis. We, exactly. we explore things with people. So sometimes, and I think particularly in an education setting where we're all about problem solving and working things out and coming to solutions, I think sometimes people expect that they have to have something clever to say about mm-hmm. how they're feeling when they come, when actually it's better if they just come and just you know be open to, to to being supported and seeing what happens and then it becomes a joint exercise because often people are struggling on their own and feeling quite isolated and feeling quite stuck so you don't have to have the first clue about why you're feeling that way you just have to know that you're struggling for counseling to be potentially useful and appropriate for you and what how can students access the service is there a rough wait time i know sometimes it can change yeah 
So it's really simple and you can self-refer to the service without anybody else knowing apart from obviously the mental health team. So you go into My City, you go to the bookings app and you click on the green button for wellbeing assessments um, and then you will have a choice of dates and times. Um, I think if you went on it today, you'd be able to book an appointment next week. So there's assessments offered every day, morning mm -hmm. and afternoon, and you book in an assessment uh, you'll be told at that point that you will have a telephone um, appointment with the counsellor and then the assessment will basically be a confidential conversation where we'll ask some questions get to know the student get to know what's brought them to contact us and then talk to them about what kind of support options there are and look to get that in place as soon as possible so for example if someone was accessing the service today um, i'd imagine they would be able to find an assessment appointment next week um, and then if they were, for example, coming for face-to-face -face or um, remote counselling as an outcome of that, um, I would expect them to have their first session within two weeks of that assessment, so well before the end of January. Um, obviously, waiting times do fluctuate mm -hmm. um, at times of year. This is kind of peak time, but as I said, we've, we've got, you know, there's been growth in the team. Um, and it would be extremely unusual for anyone to have to wait any longer than a month to access counselling with our service. Great. And do you have any advice or tips for new students that are joining the college and best to integrate themselves? And what would you recommend? Yeah, I suppose going back to what I was saying earlier about the challenges we've experienced as staff is that we do have to be a bit more conscious um, and specific, I think, about how we connect with other people. Those relationships and friendships are not just going to happen naturally in class in the same way they would have a couple of years ago. So make space and time for that, you know, um, connect with people through whatever way you can, um, you know, make a point of asking someone to spend some time online with them or, you know, join a WhatsApp group or whatever. And also look at the Student Association for social opportunities at the college, because I think your relationships at college amongst your your peers are, are what brings the kind of fun and, and you know, other elements to your, your education experience that balances out the stress uh, and sometimes the isolation just now of your studies. So I'd encourage people to really make that important. Um, and also, um, you know, be conscious that we're still in a pandemic and we have been for nearly two years and a lot of mm -hmm. people are taking the effects of that for granted. So it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to have necessarily lost someone to COVID to be affected by it. You know, you may have been stuck at home uh, a lot more than you would have liked to. Um, you may have found that some of your friendships and relationships and some of the things that you, you, you enjoy doing in your life have become quite stunted um, and limited. And that's really difficult to cope with. So don't be surprised if you're finding that hard. Certainly don't be ashamed about it. And if you're feeling stuck with that, then you know don't be alone. Come come to us, talk to us. Even if you're not sure if you want counselling, that's okay. You know, come for an assessment. We'll work things out with you. We'll, we'll have a we'll have a conversation and we'll see where it takes us. And there will be some kind of support out there for you inside or outside the college that I'm sure can help you get unstuck. Exactly. Even if it's not due to your well-being, it could be financial. Yeah. It could be other things as well. Yeah. There's usually something we can do to help with anything or, you know, put you in touch with a colleague who can do that for you. Great. Thank you so much for speaking today with me, Richard. My pleasure. Thanks for your time. And I'll speak to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye, Bye. Natalia. Bye-bye.